Welcome to episode five of the Clinch Fight Podcast. I'm Michael O'Donnell, and I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, Mr. Josh Hurst. Josh, how are you, mate? Yeah, all good, mate. Looking forward to get this one out. Definitely. I've been looking forward to putting this one out since we haven't done one for a couple of weeks. Um, we haven't done Because we haven't done an episode for a couple of weeks, we're going to touch on a few big cards that happened recently. In our last episode, we spoke about Dillian White and Povekin. Uh, what did you think of that fight, Josh? How, how did you think... I think it's kind of what we both had in mind. I think Povetkin probably didn't look as good as he did last time, but, you know, White said he's coming out for maximum violence and, you know, he did that. He come out probably more reckless than last time, just looking for his head. So good, good win for White and nice to see him back in the picture and just sort of put that to bed now, I think. Yeah, what I really liked about White's performance was as well, there wasn't kind of those inner demons that he didn't take it. He didn't take a backward step at all, did he? He just he no. wasn't phased by the fact that he got knocked out cold in that first fight. He just went mm. again for it, carried on where he left off, and fair place for him. He did get the job done. However, Povekin just wasn't with it really. That no, I, I didn't think he wasn't all there, was he? He looked a bit of a shadow of himself, didn't he? Again, some people were speculating about, you know, how the COVID affected him because obviously he had to pull out the first time because he was still feeling it. So I'm not sure if that's uh was the main factor in it or whether it was just, you know, he hasn't hasn't got the the heart left. But yeah, he he didn't look like he wanted to be in there after he got clubbed a few times, did he? No, I mean like Pavekin still kind of looked dangerous, but he just yeah. didn't recover from that first round, did he? And it was yeah, quite a definitely. weird it was quite a weird first round, like that, that little wobble he had. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was maybe maybe he was a bit taken back. The white just came back, you know, even even in uh, fast again last time. You know, white showed no respect considering he got knocked out cold the previous fight. So I don't know, maybe maybe it was that. But yeah, either way, he he just seemed a bit slower, a bit more sluggish than than he normally is. So definitely, I think as a Brit, I, I was really happy for White, and I'm glad to see him kind of cement himself once again as kind of. Arguably that top boxer outside that big three of Wilder, uh, Joshua and Fury, which is really good really, to see. Really. Yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of time for White as well. You know, he, he just comes to fight at the end of the day. He, even how he came out to fight for Beckham, you don't, you don't see it very often. Some people might take it slow there. So, yeah, got, got a soft spot for White. What would you like to see from Dillian White next, Josh? Uh, again, just sort of what we were talking about last time. It's, it's hard for him where he goes now, but I would like to see him maybe fight Wilder. Or, you know, if, if Fury and Joshua are going to be tied up, that would be my fight of choice, probably. But, you know, just I just want to see him keep busy. So even if it's a fight in the States against someone else, as long as he keeps busy and, you know, stays stays in form, I'll be happy for him. Yeah, I think for White, I think I'd like to see him fight another legit opponent. I don't really want to see him fight a B-level fighter, if that makes mm. sense. I'd like to see him against someone in the Ring Magazine, Ring Magazine yeah. ranking again. But... To be fair, he's fought so many of those guys in those rankings. Yeah. It'll be a hard one unless it's one of the big, you know, the big three. Yeah, That's he's, the problem. he's running out. He's running, he's running out of opposition, so be interesting. Definitely. Um, what do you think about Povetkin? Does does he retire now? Is that it for him? I, I think that's it for Povetkin. Um, you know, there's always going to be a fight for him because he's going to be that gatekeeper now, isn't he? So mm -hmm. same way uh, Molina was to Wardley, that sort of, they're just there to to get a name on your record. He, he's probably got a fight left in him, but I can't see um, his sort of winning mentality being there anymore. If he was to fight, it might just be a payday for him. Yeah, I wouldn't like to see Povekin kind of go down that road and like you said, become yeah, like an Eric Molina-esque fighter. I think he's had a great <laughs> career. Um I just don't want him to become a gatekeeper, really. I think he's, you know, you could argue there's different gatekeepers in previous episodes we, we've done in, but, yeah. you know, there could be, there's, there's like world level gatekeepers, world title shot gatekeepers. I think he's been there and done it. He rolled the dice one more time against Dillian White. Call it a day now. You made good money. That's 100%, it. 100%. I agree. And by the looks of it, it looks like they made a decent purse. So hopefully that, that might be the end for him. We're going to move on to another fight that happened. I believe it was the weekend before the one that's just gone was yep. Carl Frampton versus Jamal Herron. I was quite gutted about this. I'm a big Carl Frampton fan. I wouldn't say I followed him from day one, but since his European title days, it's been quite a while, yep. a good part of the last seven years or whatever it's been. What did you think of that fight, Josh, the Herron Frampton? Same with you, really. It, 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 it's just, it was a bit hard to watch. I think, um, 
personally just the size even when they were just face straight off I already thought oh god he's got a he's got a hard night coming but like you said Frampton is probably of our generation anyway iconic British fighter so again I didn't watch him from uh, his first days but you know him um, fighting is probably uh, that's what I remember from first watching boxing sort of on a British level and following fighters like that so it's 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 not nice to see him go out the way he did but um, I'm just glad that he's okay I suppose I mean like Frampton he's had so many he's given us so many good nights especially as you know <laughs> it's to Britain and Ireland you know, the Kiko Martinez both of those mm-hmm. fights especially that first one he was really good in that European title fight against yeah. Martinez the Leo Santa Cruz two of those fights Scott Quigg yeah. Yeah, definitely. Josh Warrington, even though he lost that fight, what a fight that was. That was fight of the year. Fantastic. Uh, What next? Well, obviously, we know that Frampton has officially retired now, which was sad to see him go out like that, as we've previously stated. However, let's not discredit Jamal Heron here. Like, Mm -hmm. in previous performances, I have seen Jamal Heron. I've never seen him personally look as good as that. Mm. Yeah. It seemed like... uh... He got caught a few times, but for the most part, he it didn't seem like he even got out of. He had another gear to go. I thought as well, the, the shots that he was hitting Frampton with weren't necessarily big, loading up power punches. It was just sharp, long punches and just using his reach. So, and, and like I said, he, he he does look huge at that weight. So, I'm sure coming against other people in that sort of um, in that weight category, he's, he's going to be a problem. You could argue maybe he's still on the way out, just age age wise, but. You know, he's still got big fights. You know, it's, it's a stacked division, that and the lightweight division. So it'd be interesting to see um, where he goes next. Yeah, there were many factors, I think, why Frampton lost that fight. One, obviously, he's probably aged a bit now. He's probably, he's past his prime, let's face it. Two, probably one weight class too many, I think. Yeah. Like like you said, like Heron just looked massive compared to Frampton. And Heron looks too big for super featherweight, let alone Carl yeah. Frampton. And, you know, he's a southpaw. He's tall. Yeah. <laughs> and and do you know what? He just looked better than Frampton. His skill set was beyond Frampton's, yeah. I, I personally believe. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think um I think it was just all all a bit wrong for Frampton on the night. And I do think it seemed like he just started to get a bit of success in the mid rounds, but then he, to me I think he just took a bit too long to get yeah, I think he had to come out and really give it to him. Uh he was taking too many shots um to start off with. So Again, it's always going to be a hard fight with Frampton because he's just a you know he's just a hard guy and he's just going to keep coming forward. So I'm glad that he got um, stopped by his corner because I, I can imagine him fighting until he's unconscious really. So yeah, definitely that was only going to end one way. And like you said, like the only way Frampton was going to get any success was to close that distance down, yeah. take punches to land his own, and against Heron that proved to be way too dangerous. And yeah, definitely, I, I got to second that. I'm so glad his his corner pulled him out because. That was leading to a very vicious and violent mm. KO, for sure. What next for Jamal Heron, do you think, Josh? It's interesting where he goes from here. Yeah, like I said, it's quite a stacked division. Like I said, he's big at the weight. Does he want to go for a super fight for one of the guys at lightweight? You know, they've got that four, four Kings uh, scenario going on at lightweight now. They've got mm. Javante Davis at super feather. Mm. It, you know, it's, it's crazy. So I think there's a lot of big fights uh, there for him. But I do think, like I said, I do think he's coming towards the end now. So um, I think he'll want to be in the big fights to to get get whatever he's got left. Um, give them to that. Sorry. Yeah, for, for me with Jamal Heron's next opponent, there's there's two scenarios. Obviously, there's the interim WBO title fight between Shakur Stevenson and I forgive me for my pronunciation, Jeremiah Nakafila. They're contesting for the WBO interim title, so the winner of that will be the mandatory for Jamal Heron's title. Most likely, probably Shakur Stevenson will come through that, which is a really tough fight for Jamal Heron. However, my other scenario is, if as a WBO champion, if Heron was to move up to lightweight, he will be mandatory for Teofimo Lopez, which will make him more money. Um, Not sure how interested Lopez will be to take Mm. that fight. Obviously, he's the undisputed champion, so how long he'll have to wait for that mandatory, because obviously he's got four other belts he holds. Yeah, that, that's another question. So I think they're the two scenarios, considering that Lopez is promoted by top rank and so Shakur Stevenson. So I think mm. one of those guys will probably be next. However, as we've previously stated, Jamal Heron is a big super featherweight. 
So yeah. is he going to want to stick around to fight? Is he going to want to stick around to fight Shakur Stevenson where he's going to probably be a disadvantage with the weight yeah. and probably a fighter who is just as good as he is, if not yeah. better? Be interesting. I am looking forward to see where Jamel Herring goes. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to Conor Ben versus Samuel Vargas. That was a big breakthrough win for Conor Ben. What did you think of that fight, Josh? Well, like I said, I was, I was messaging you the first round, thinking, what, what the hell is going on? Um, not what I expected at all. You know, don't get me wrong, I, I did expect him to come out uh, and look sharp he, like he normally does. But to get rid of someone like Vargas, you know, not that he's a, he, he's a super amazing for his chin. For him to get him out there in the first round and the way he did is unreal and really big statement made to the, the welterweight scene, I think. Yeah, it was a big statement because you've seen other world-class fighters who are above Conor Ben not struggle against Samuel Vargas, but they've taken longer to get him out of there, the likes of Danny Garcia, Errol Spence, yeah. Amir Khan. Amir Khan had, well, I wouldn't see loads of problems with Vargas, but he did get knocked down. And yeah, of course. when Khan gets hurt, you know, he, he gets hurt pretty badly. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was really impressive from Conor Ben. The, my only issue with, with the fight, the result afterwards, I think... I'm not quite sure if that win against Samuel Vargas really catapults him to that world level just yet. Because ultimately, Sam Vargas is a gatekeeper. Nothing yeah. else. He's never had a massive win. Every time he stepped up to that A category, he's yeah. fallen short. So it's I'm not quite sure if it's the benchmark that Matchroom and other people in the business are really trying to make out. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, you know, Eddie Hearn's not stupid, is he? he? I think that's a big criticism Ben always tends to get is that, you know, even though on paper he's had some good opponents, in reality he's taken a very strange route to where he, yeah. to where he yeah. sort of is with the rankings because, you know, he, he skipped through the British title, he skipped through European because a lot of people are putting him on that fringe world level um, mm. sort of uh, category now. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I think the comments as well were a bit strange because he kind of made out that, you know, you've given me all these tests and I've come through them with these. Basically making out he's above that British level where there are some good fighters at British level. You've got the likes of McKinson, you've got Chris Congo, you've got Chris Jenkins, really good yeah. fighters. But, I mean, based on his performance as Vargas in a one-round blowout, you could argue that he is beyond that. He is above that level. However, if you are truly above that level, there's a beast from the East called David Avenician. Why don't you put your money where your mouth is and take on him? What do you think of that fight, Josh? Yeah, I think that's for for the you know people who watch who've been watching the boxing, especially recently with the sort of uh, Kelly fight. That's a dream fight, but it's one of them. In reality, how many people know who David Avenician is, especially before the, the Kelly fight? So again, Eddie Hearn's not stupid. I personally would love to see that fight because. That would, you know, that would really cement where Ben is. You know, if he can beat Avanesian, you know, he can say goodbye to all the, the doubts about where he's at domestic and European level. Because in reality, Avanesian is probably good enough to to challenge for a title again now as well. So, um, yeah, that's a dream fight. But I wouldn't be surprised if I, I can't see that being the next one. Maybe down the line, but I don't think it'll be the next one. Sadly. Yeah, I think Conor Ben has all the ingredients of being probably the next pay-per-view star for Matchroom. Mm -hmm. And I think putting him in against with Avenisia next, although he'd probably believe he'd win that fight as a fighter, that's just kind of feeding your land to the slaughter, really. Your golden goose straight away, yeah. getting him a loss early, potentially. And I think Avenisia is probably the favourite if you put yeah. them in with him now. And like you said, if I was to put Avenisia against one of the champs like Crawford or Spence, not saying he'd win those fights, but I think he'd yeah. definitely give a good account of himself, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we're going to move on to the final fights that we're going to reflect on from the last couple of weeks. The world, the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship between Joe Smith Jr. and Maxim Vlasov. What do you think of that fight, Josh? That was a bit of a bloody tear-up, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that was a right tear-up. Um, I only managed to catch the, um, the highlights, but even just looking at uh, Smith after, and he looked like he had the fight beaten out of him. No, he got he got the win, but you sit, no. I was watching yeah. an interview and he's saying that he um, he said, oh, I, I had to just find a way to get through that last round because um, 
you could tell they, they were blowing it. So fair, fair play. That's how a, a world title fight should be, I think. Yeah, I rewatched that fight and it was probably one of the hardest fights I've ever had to score. <laughs> like, honestly, like Vlasov looked uh, fresher towards the end of the fight. And he, like yeah. maybe worked a bit harder, but Joe Smith really grinded it out. And it was kind of like yeah. a punch for punch kind of yeah. contest. Like the rounds were so <laughs> close. It was ridiculous. But um, I thought Vlasov looked like he had more in the tank, but I wouldn't have argued either way. I think both guys gave everything, gave gave the fans everything, couldn't have put in a bigger effort than they did. And I think, yeah, I think the right winner got it. But again, like I said, if Vlasov got it, I wouldn't have argued either way. Yeah, I do think uh, Joseph, Joseph Jr. is a bit of a people's champ as well. And he's just yeah. uh, he's very much a regular guy. You know, uh, when he when he beat uh, Bernard Hopkins, is the, the funny story, he just went back to his construction job. Uh, the day after so i think um you've got a, a potential like real likable guy now a world champion so it'd be interesting to see where he goes yeah jo- joseph jr reminds me of a light heavyweight arturo gatti like really yeah. good to watch and the fans just love him because you know every fight he's going to be in he might get yeah. outclassed like he did against dimitri bivel but he's going to yeah. give everything to try and win that fight even if he gets knocked out and that's what people love and people appreciate that he's almost like a rocky balboa as well isn't he yeah literally Literally. Um, I think, though, no disrespect to Joseph Jr., I think if you are a light heavyweight contender, such as someone like Joshua Boetti, you're probably going to most likely go down that route to win the world title because the other champions, like Bivol and Baturbiev, <laughs> like, they're such hard fights to win. Like, Baturbiev is an absolute monster. You've got dynamite in both hands. Bivol, the master boxer, you, he'll, you know, he's not the best to watch, but he's so advanced in his skill set. He'll just, it's so hard to win rounds against him. And all of a sudden he's done you on points. So I think Joseph Jr. Realistically has probably the most flaws in his game. Is that fair to say, Josh? Yeah, I think, I think I agree. I think if I was, I wouldn't be uh, licking my lips uh, so much, but you know, where, where, where he's at, I think that is probably the most realistic route to, to get to a world title level. Because, like you said, the the others in that division is you know it's a very scary division. So uh, we know Craig Richards is due to fight uh, Bivol, so maybe that might give us a bit more insight of of um, how he does there. But um, yeah, I think that's probably the the weakest um, title available at the moment for for those coming up for which is quite a stacked division now, uh, light heavyweight. So it'd be interesting. And don't get me wrong, although Joe Smith, we regard him as probably the weakest champion. That's still a bloody hard fight to win as well. Oh, like, you yeah. have three solid champions <laughs> in Baturbia, Bivol, and Joe Smith now. Like that is such an underrated division. Absolute killers. Absolute killers, a lot of them. Yeah. No, yeah. No, no disrespect to Joseph Junior. He's a he's a warrior, but um I think just levels wise, like you said, um, just boxing from Bivol and then just the sheer I don't know, he's just a freak, um, the Turbiev, isn't yeah. he? So I think uh that's probably the the route people will sort of uh, go for if they can. But however, if Craig Richards manages to beat Dimitri <laughs> Bivol, if he walks him onto a punch somehow and takes him out, Josh Boatsy will 100% be taking <laughs> yeah. on Craig Richards for the WBA title. There's not going to be any kind of um, let you know a kind of level ladder. They're going to kind yeah. of give him other fights to give him experience to take on a world champion. They will make yeah. the gamble kind of like when Charles Martin won the world title, they threw AJ in there yeah. straight away, took the risk. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to Craig Richards, but yeah. it is a very winnable fight for Josh Boatsy if Craig Richards yeah, is to be successful. Well, I mean, like Craig Richards only just, his last fight was winning the British title. So exactly. uh, for him to go in a bit of, I can't, can't fault him, fair play to him. He's, he's saw an opportunity and gone for it. So, you know, he's the brick, got to, got to back the brick, go in there, but um, it'd be a very hard night for him, I think. I think just going back to Joe Smith Jr., I think the Americans will be delighted as well that they have a champion in that division and the Eastern Europeans haven't completely yeah. taken over the division yeah, yet. Definitely. Anyway, yeah, we'll definitely. see. Hopefully the, uh, the Brits can go in, can get in there. Hopefully Craig Richards does the business. If not, maybe Boatsy will climb up the ladder or someone like yeah. Lyndon Arthur or Anthony Yard. I mean, We've got some good I mean, light heavyweights this country. Definitely. It's, it's, you know, the UK domestic level is kind of like European level anyway. So... Yeah the top of that tree so yeah it'll be interesting not to forget uh callum johnson as well who is yeah get, getting on a bit but 
a solid contender nevertheless. Gave a good account of himself against uh, Baturbiev, who is, right. in my opinion, the strongest champion at the moment. Yeah, agreed. We're going to move on now to the main discussion. Probably the biggest fight in Wales in all combat sports this year, it's fair to mm. say. It's the, definitely the biggest fight for Wales that's going to happen this year. We've got Demetrius Andrade, the WBO champion, will be defending his world title against Liam Williams in the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Andrade, he's recently fought Luke Keeler. It's fair to say he was levels above him. Yeah. He also fought, who was the Polish guy called again? I forgot his name now. Uh, Sulecki. Sulecki. He's looked very good in most of his fights recently. Do you think he's avoiding that division for a reason, Josh? Uh, I think he... I think not necessarily for how good he is. I think just watching him, uh, you know, just sort of coming up to this fight, I've, I've been looking into him, just his style a bit more uh, than I had before. He's just such a unorthodox and sometimes wild and difficult style. I just don't think anyone can work out how good he really is. So... I'm not sure whether it's the case of just how good he is. I think people just, he's such a, an unknown quantity and he, he hasn't necessarily mixed it at, uh, there's no benchmark to how good he is. I think it's hard for people to, I think he's just a risk to a lot of people. So avoided probably, but uh, not necessarily just because he's, uh, the, for his, his skill per se. I think people who really know their boxing and study boxing know how good Demetrius Andrade is. But I think another problem with Andrade is, he hasn't really got that amazing coming out win either. Like, yeah. for example, like Joe Calzaghe and Jeff Lacey, uh, Demetrius Andrade hasn't really got that opponent yet. Although he's beaten some good fighters, that is known on his record as was a fantastic win, if that yeah. makes sense, at the elite level. So it's really hard uh, for a benchmark to see how good Demetrius Andrade is. And I'm not sure even if Liam Williams is that person. I like to think he is as a fellow Welshman and hopefully and could potentially beat him. But if you look at pound for pound, kind of the guys he's fought from light middle to middle, there's no, there's no outstanding name. Is yeah. there? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think even if he beats Williams, it's almost like, Oh, who was he anyway? So I think he's, he's been bubbling for a long time, uh, waiting for his, you know, his marquee fight. So, uh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, do you think his boxing abilities kind of overlooked? Yeah, it's similar to what you said. I think when you pay close attention to it, I, like I said, from first seeing it, I thought it was a bit wild. But then watching his fights put together, you see how he is, how it does sort of come together in its own way. I think when he chooses to box, which is a key, the key part of it, he, he is very good. I think he sometimes gets dragged into a fight where he, he doesn't need to be in and then he looks a bit scrappy, a bit wild. So... Um, I think his boxing ability probably has been overlooked, but then you could say that might be relevant to his opposition he's been fighting to. Yeah, I think casual boxing fans obviously don't really appreciate a master boxer. Demetrius Andrade, I'm going to do another comparison like I did with the uh, Joseph Jr. Gatti. I think Demetrius Andrade is kind of like the middleweight Rigondo. Like, yeah. <laughs> very good boxing ability, but people, casual fans, just don't like watching that. Yeah. Me and you, yeah. as pure boxing fans we like we we love watching a really skilled boxer and yeah. we like to see a 12 round masterclass but unfortunately casual fans don't they want to see blood sweat and tears and yeah. andre's never really given that in his career yeah. apart from maybe the closest thing he's had is probably against jack kolkai in germany yeah. where kolkai really pushed the pace and really didn't want to give up his title give everything but ultimately just wasn't good enough to beat andre yeah what do you think uh his strengths and weaknesses are Andrade's. We'll start with the strengths. Um, I think, like you said, when when he when he chooses the box, I think he's got a very good fight IQ. He's not necessarily a knockout artist, but he's almost like a sniper. He he, he puts these. He's not going to come and do loads of combos, but he'll throw a, a strong punch from a really weird angle, or he'll move just out the way and then and then get someone. So, I think his boxing. Uh, probably is his greatest strength, but alternatively, again, going to his weaknesses, it's whether he chooses to utilise that, which is, which I think will be a big factor in not just this fight and just a lot of the fights you'll, you'll have going forward. Yeah, I think being over six foot and a southpaw as well with 
yeah. hand speed like he does footwork and being a former Olympian, he's very well schooled. He beat Keith Thurman, I think, three or four times in the amateurs as well. And really, really difficult man to beat. And yeah, he's very tricky. It's a really, I think it is a really hard fight for Liam Williams when you think about it. Liam Williams being the aggressor, he's really going to have to work hard, I think, to win this fight. And he's going to have to work really hard every minute, every second of every round to, yep. to give Andre problems. Weaknesses in Andre's game. Do you see any, Josh? I think, again, it's just, uh, I think he's got a habit of sometimes getting a bit scrappy when he doesn't need to. And I think he might have been able to get away with that with some people. But against someone like Liam Williams, who's going to come from round one and try to take his head off, I would not fancy him in a, a dogfight with Liam Williams. So I, I think maybe that one weakness might be um, if he if he's sort of overlooking Williams or doesn't respect him, he might get in trouble. Yeah, I think another thing with uh, Andre is he kind of cruises in fights. Like yeah. a couple of fights I've seen him in, he'll win like the first seven rounds completely easily. And then, like you said, he gets a bit carried away, tries to take more risks and then kind of yeah. kind of makes sloppy mistakes in when he doesn't need yeah. to. And that makes me question, is he a good brawler, inside fighter? If that makes sense. Mm. Is he just better boxing at range in all of his fights and uses his fancy footwork and his technical ability? I've also seen that sometimes it looks like he's, he'll have someone ready to go, but he just can't find the finishing the finishing punch. So some of the fights, I, I feel like he's he's been taken to points before when, you know, he just, whereas I can think someone else would probably be able to put their opponent out. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether he has that killer instinct that some of the other middleweights have. Yeah, that, the fight I forgot to mention, it was in the back of my head, but um, I couldn't quite pull it off at the time. But you just reminded me, the fight he, the, I can't remember his guy, this guy's name, it's the African boxer who, uh, right. he was, was supposed, the he knocked him down like seven times and just couldn't get him out of there. He was, he was <laughs> meant to fight Billy Joe Saunders originally, right, but yeah. ended up fighting this guy because he was undefeated, unknown quantity, and but, it was like you know, the biggest shirt I've ever seen, but he couldn't get rid of him. Yeah, that was the vacant uh, WBO, that's, the, that's for the title, so when it yeah. was vacant. But yeah, he, he had him down plenty of times. And that guy was, in reality, he was tough, but he had no business being in there. <laughs> I'd heard he had like one, he had one week notice coming from Namibia. So in reality, he had like three days to actually prepare. And he's just turned up and, you know, he'd knocked him down one time. And he's already in the corner, jumping and dancing, thinking that he's won. You know, you've got, I just think when you've got someone like that there to put him down that many times, you've got to be able to put them away, I think. Yeah. when it gets to that, that that elite level so i don't again it's hard to gauge because he hasn't been he hasn't had that marquee fight yet but i do get a sense that he doesn't have as much of a killer instinct as some of the other fighters do just going back to that guy from Namibia, fuck me he was tough when he like no he kept coming back for more didn't he that little ability he had he wanted yeah. it didn't he it's fair to say he did he wanted that bad Literally, and even the ref is like, "Are you sure you're fine?" He's just <laughs> nodding. <laughs> so fair, fair play to him. Shout out to him. I've never seen a guy take a beating so much and keep coming back for more. It was honestly crazy. Fair play to him. I think the main weakness really for Andre is not really so much technical ability. I think it's more how, how hard of a sell he is. He's not for casual fans, like I've already stated. He isn't the best to watch entertainment yeah. wise. And the problem is he's just kind of too good for his own good. Yeah, definitely. He, he's not the most entertaining. He makes his opponents look silly. But and the thing is, if he tries to take risks and brawl with his opponents, that's when he allows himself to kind of yeah. potentially get beat, and he can't afford yeah. to do that at this level. Although that's, it's great it. seeing these knockdowns and these concussive punches, highlight real things. You only get one career, and he's not going to lose for the sake of entertaining the people. Yeah. That's his problem. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I, I think we'll probably touch on it uh, uh, later on, but I think that's something that might be uh, a big factor in this fight if he gets it wrong. We're going to move on now to our Welsh compatriot, Mr. Liam Williams. Yeah, fellow countryman. I love watching this guy fight. Like, I really love how he's rebuilt himself in middleweight. Like, I like middleweight, gave it a good go, got to world level, I would say, but fell short against Liam Smith in a fight I really thought he was going to win. I was actually yeah. at that first fight. I was ringside for that. And oh, wow. I thought he was okay. really I thought he was really hard done by in that fight. I, I do, well, I'm not going to give my opinion on <laughs> what I thought happened, but I thought he was hard done by. Yeah. And in the rematch, fair play to Liam Smith. 
he put on probably the best performance of his career and deserved yeah. to win that rematch. It was kind of a shutout, yeah. shutout victory. Made, made the corrections for that one, which was a shame. But then Liam Williams got his chance to fight for the British middleweight title against Mark Heffron. And he was an underdog going into that fight and completely wiped the floor with him, beating both Heffron brothers now. He also yeah. beat his brother Ronnie Heffron earlier in his career as well. And since then, he's gone from strength to strength. He's climbed up those WBO rankings and he's earned his shot, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's he's looked dangerous, especially since uh, yeah, ever since the Liam Smith defeat. I think he's on a 7KO streak or something like that. So... You know, since he started taking up this machine uh, nickname, he's 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 been just that, and he's a uh, dangerous, dangerous fighter. Yeah, I, he also left Gary Lockett for um, Dominic Ingle, and at first I thought that was kind of a strange move because Liam mm. Williams, he hasn't really yeah. changed into that switch hitter like the Ingle yeah. style, but he has improved and he hasn't lost the fight since turning with Dominic Ingle. And I thought really the Gary Lockett style training was kind of more suited to him. But fair play, like Dominic Ingalls really turned it around for Williams, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it's just added uh, another dimension to his game. I think he was always just the hard man who's just going to be in there for a scrap. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong, he's, he's still very much that. But I think he's he does it in a different way now and he's got more weapons in his arsenal to do so. Definitely. I think he kind of, instead of kind of recklessly jumping in there, trying to tear off his opponent's head, I think it's all calculated. He uses the jab a lot better. His footwork's yeah, yeah. a lot better. And I think he kind of uses that aggression um, to his advantage a bit more rather than kind of doing it recklessly and hope, hoping his kind of street fighting mentality pulls him through. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his pub fighting mentality sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think Liam Williams' uh, main strengths are at the moment? It's... I think with Liam Williams, you just, you know, he's, he is what he is and he doesn't try to be anything different. You know, he, his biggest strength probably is just his aggression and his relentlessness. I've never known someone to look so, you know, considering his boxing, to look so mean just in every fight. And, and even after the fight, he just, it looks like it probably takes a couple of days just to cut him down from wherever he's at. So I think that aggressiveness and sort of just disrespect to whatever's in front of him you know, he's got this sort of air of uh, in invincibility around him. So I think that's his biggest strength probably, especially going into this fight. Yeah, I think going up to a 160 has really helped his punching power as well. I think, yeah. don't get me wrong, he was quite a big puncher at 154, but those six pounds have really made a difference. Even to his physique, he looks a lot stronger yeah. and a lot fresher at that weight. Yeah, because he's, he's not necessarily a big middleweight either. He, he's he's fairly short as well. You know, if you look 24... Uh, Atlantis Fox, you know, even though he, he dealt with him, it, the size difference was pretty pretty crazy to think that they weighed in the same. So he's clearly carries power and he's he's brought it up with the speed from, from the lower uh, category. So fair play to him. I do think as well he has quite an underrated boxing ability. Because I know as an amateur, yeah. he was, um, he did, he did um, he fought for Wales. He went, he fought in uh, national tournaments and stuff with Wales and he had a good amateur career. And I think he's been Welsh champion a couple of times as well. So I think people overlook, like we said earlier about Andre, it's his boxing ability overlooked. I do think Liam Williams is slightly overlooked as well. However, yeah. um, at the world level, if you compare him maybe to an Andre, probably isn't as good technically. Yeah. But at domestic level, I do think, you know, he, he's head and shoulders above the rest at middleweight at the moment. Yeah, 100%. What do you think Williams' weaknesses are, would you say? I think, you know, sort of touch on what we just said, he, he has an air of maybe being a bit one-dimensional in the way he comes. Like I said, since he's joined Ingle, he, it seems like the way he goes about it is different. But I think for someone who can keep him at bay and um, and earn his respect, you know, he's got a, a case of uh, making a hard fight for himself, potentially. Yeah, I think what's really kind of, interesting about this fight is they're kind of both wrong for each other in a way yeah i think more so andre's probably more wrong for williams than the other way around but i mean to beat andre i think you need to just be game you need to kind of pressure yeah. him non-stop work every minute every second of every round really make it uncomfortable for him but i think with williams as well you know he's coming up against a six foot southpaw boxer tricky feet yeah. hard to hit 
someone who's going to try and make it try and make it fight make the fight at his pace. It's, it's a very tough fight for Williams. However, Williams is part of that um, Brendan Ingle Dominic Ingle setup where there's a lot of switch hit and self pause, yeah. a lot of uh, tricky boxes. He's probably sparrings who have. Probably prepared him quite well for this fight. However, they're probably not as good as Demetrius Andrade. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Looking at uh, Liam Williams's last few victories, do you think they've prepared him well for the Andrade fight? I think if you if you if you sort of speculate into it, you could say obviously since the since the Liam Smith fight, that you know he's been on paper he's been at world level twice. Kate lost both times so on paper you, you probably would to say I think a lot of the Americans would probably be looking at thinking he's just another Brit coming over with a bit of a padded record or a bit of padded momentum but you know he everyone has been put in front of him he's been knocking out and it's not it's not even just getting by he's you know he's decimating people every time he he gets in there so maybe you could argue it would have been nice to, to see um sort of a fringe world level opponent just sort of 100% gauge where he's at but if he's going through the rankings and he's put himself in a mandatory spot he must be doing something right so has he been at this level at middleweight no nowhere near but what he's been able to do at domestic and maybe just above domestic level is uh you know is really get get people out of there so it'd be interesting to see where he's at yeah, I think the thing is um, with Liam, Williams' last few opponents, like like you said, he has taken them out re- very easy at, at domestic level, and I think when that kind of pro- propels you to the number one, well, number one, number two spots in the WBO, you're not going to kind of say, "Oh wait, actually, let me just go back a few levels just so I'm prepared yeah. for Demetrius Andrade." When the opportunity yeah. comes, you've got to take it, and I think yeah. ultimately that's why he's there, and that's why. He, and when I think with the momentum he has at the moment, I think with a lot of boxers. Momentum's kind of everything. When you're yeah. on such a good win streak, you need to just take the fight, the opportunities when it comes. Yeah. Agreed. And I think even just, just seeing Williams talk about the fight, you know, he, he's been sort of calling for this fight for a while now. I gen, like just listening to him, he, he, it doesn't seem like there's any doubt in his mind that he's getting that title. So maybe the momentum and the confidence he's given himself coming from those losses. That's probably it might be the best time for him to do it either way. Definitely. And I think it's interesting. He he's been quoted to say recently that I've put in the work, I've got the momentum. If I'm not ready now, I never will be. Yeah. And I think he I think he might think if I don't do it now, I maybe never will. So yeah, that's the interesting thing about this fight. I think he truly believes this is his time. Yeah. And if he falls short, it was meant to happen. Yeah. And so so the midweight division is an interesting division, isn't it? At yeah. the moment, there's some solid champions. Obviously, you've got it's Jamal Charlo. Is he the champion? Is it Jamal Jamal yes. at the moment of the middleweight? I couldn't tell you which one it is, but yeah, I'm not sure who decided to have Jamal and Jamal. But yeah, you've obviously, you've got Andrade and you've got Golovkin, you've got Murata. So there's some good champions in that division. Yeah, and there's also some good 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 contenders. Like uh, Munguia, who is the beast that probably no one wants a piece of at the moment. Yeah, I think that ties into maybe why um, why Williams is just sort of keen to jump on the opportunity because it, it's quite a stacked division and there's so much politics here and there about people fighting each other. Mm. You know, it's rare an, op- an opportunity to get a mandatory title shot comes about. So he's got to go for it. Definitely, for sure. If Android successfully defends his title against Liam Williams. Is that going to do him any favours, especially if it's like a 12-round shutout or, you know, a unanimous decision, easy victory? Where do you think Andre goes from here? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one for Andre because sort of like I just said with the, the current state of the middleweight division, you know, even now and even beforehand, no one wants to fight him. So whether that's the case of, of being scared, I'm not too sure. But he's like I said, he's such an unknown quantity. I think he's still going to struggle to to have a, have another big fight after this. So unless he decides to, I think that the sort of only big fights left for him now would be either Golovkin or maybe to move up. 
but it's a uh, it's a hard one for him because I think he's been shut out by Charlo as well. So I, I I don't know I don't know what what's what's really the best case scenario for him even if he does come through Williams. Yeah, I, I think if if Andrade completely scores Williams, it's, he's just back to square one again. I really yeah. do. I think he's going to be continue to be avoided, and I think he'll have no other option but to move up to super yeah. middleweight and fight for the WBO super middleweight title. Yeah. Um, I think Canelo will probably once he's got all all the marbles in that division, he's probably going to vacate the WBO instead of fighting Andrade, and then <laughs> Andrade will fight. Who's the the British kid who's? Oh, Zach, Zach Parker. Zach Parker, that's the one. He's probably likely to fight Zach Parker for the vacant <laughs> WBO yeah. title. No disrespect to Zach Parker, but that's a very difficult fight for Zach Parker to fight yeah. Demetrius Andrade, who's wants to make history and become a free weight world champion. Yeah. So I think, I think, uh, I think, I think, I think might have to drop, drop the ego a bit and, you know, I don't know what the politics involved there, uh, there are with the fights, but I think with Williams now, sort of, like you said, with, um, if he just goes out there, makes it boring and, and wins, he's literally doing no favors for himself. But at the same time, sort of how we were talking earlier, if, if he gets himself, if he thinks, okay, I need to put on a show and then finds himself, uh, you know, I want to take out Williams to make a statement, that is not the kind of person you want to sort of uh, change your style for or take a risk getting a dogfight with. So it's tough for him. He he either goes in there and does probably what he needs to do and still gets no respect or tries to knock him out and then risks losing everything. So I can't can't, uh, help but feel like it's a, a tough road for him either way. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, he's not going to just kind of make it a harder fight for himself just to kind of get those big fights or, or, and potentially lose. He's not going to put a loss in his record because we want to see him entertain the fans, is he? Yeah. I mean, if I was in his position, I wouldn't do that personally. But at the same yeah. time, if he does lose, he's probably likely to get the big fights then, isn't he? Charlie yeah. will probably call him out if he loses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. So I think if Liam Williams wins the world title what what do you think happens with him do you think he do you think he pushes for a unification fight or do you think they give him a few defenses first um i think if he doesn't uh if there's not a rematch clause which there might be because you know uh andre being with her and it tends to be a, a running theme you know mm. liam williams not supposed to win this fight is he so no. if if uh if that's not the case i it's hard to say you know, we'll learn a lot about Liam Williams in that fight. If he if he uh, gets through Andre and looks good doing it, you know, then then he, he is world level. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to see him unify or at least go for the big fights um, in that division. But l- like we said before, there is a really stacked division. So it's hard to judge how long he would keep that belt if he tried to do multiple defences. I think I'd like to see him while he's on top capitalize on the opportunities either unify or you know we, even something like um eubank jr something like that you know they've already got beef bubbling something like that get a big fight in the uk going while he's got uh while he's got the all the marbles in my opinion yeah it's really interesting that you brought up the potential rematch clause i never really thought of it that way before i think if there's a rematch clause i think that will most likely be in the uk because I don't yeah. think there'll be any... In- I don't think Andrade's the most popular in the, in America as it is. So I think that rematch is ultimately bigger in the UK yeah. to happen. In Wales, it'd be massive, that rematch. Yeah, definitely. And we'd, I think if Williams was to win a rematch, if there is a close, then there's probably no need for him to make a few easy defences if he's beaten Andre twice, because that shows yeah. he's definitely world level and he can have another 100%. big fight. However, if there isn't a rematch close... I think they will give Andrade a few easy, Andrew, sorry, Williams a few easy defences. Um, yeah. I think probably defences in Cardiff, most likely. People who are ranked in the WBO, probably like number five or six, fifth or sixth ranked, or someone like a, maybe maybe like a Denzel Bentley, someone like that who's quite highly ranked. I mean, yeah, they'll give him right. a few soft touches to build his profile up and draw more yeah. crowds in Cardiff because I think that's a yeah. big opening for them. Bring back the Joe Calzaghe days, do you know what I mean? Big crowds in you could, they could dive into like Arms Park, Cardiff Castle, yeah. maybe one day Millennium Stadium and big unification fights. Yeah, well, that, that's the dream, and that we, you know, we'd love to see Williams do that and, and bring oh, yeah. a bring a world title back to to Wales and and get a big fight going. That, that'd be ideal. You know, 
we are supposed to sit on the fence, but we are both Welsh and we are rooting for Armand Liam Williams. We really want him to do the business. And we yes. haven't had big fights in Wales for a long time. You know, we have had AG headlining the Millennium Stadium, but it's yeah. not quite the same when you have a Welshman defending we, their we need, titles. We need the the patriot, patronism, don't we? Yeah, 100%, mate. <laughs> I, like, I think it's very interesting. You mentioned uh, Liam Williams and Chris Eubank Jr. I think that fight makes a lot of sense if Liam Williams comes through this. Yeah, just having a flip through the rankings um, before, before uh, just sort of in preparation for this. You know, Eubank is potentially once he gets. I think he's got a fight. Uh, maybe in, I think it's on the Chisora card in in May. Yeah, Marcus Morrison. Yeah. Marcus Morrison. Return of the Mac. Yeah, that's a <laughs> you know that's that's just a tune up fight, isn't it? Just to to yeah. get his profile back, get some ring. What's supposed to be anyway? So he's uh, he's due to be uh, to go for a vacant title soon. So you know, if if Williams assuming he doesn't have to uh, get the rematch clause. It's looking for a unification. What what more bigger than that than him and uh, Eubank for for two titles? Yeah, definitely. And I think if Eubank Junior, he's obviously ranked right number one or two, isn't he, with WBA for Morata's title? I think if he beats, uh, I, I think he could beat Morata. I think Morata's probably arguably the weakest champ in that division. I would say, unless Golovkin's aged dramatically. I think yeah. personally, I would fancy my chances mostly against Morata if I was one of you know one of the top boys in that division and I think yeah Liam Williams as Uban Jr. could either be for a unification fight or if Liam Williams is successful I think Uban Jr. might think well hang on a minute do I fight Liam Williams for the for the belt in the UK for more money or do I play the long game win a world title in is it Japan I think Murata's from yeah Japan, Japan. yeah I go to or do I go to Japan on away soil you know play the long game probably take less money probably not yeah. in a stadium fight and then bring bring all bring both belts into the party it's it's, it's interesting yeah. one really I, I think Eubank's been in you know in public hiding for too long now so I think he's probably knows that he's uh he needs to to win the public back now and stop looking like a, a paper champ so I'm not that'd, sure that'd be, a, that'd be a great fight wouldn't it I'm not sure if Eubank Jr. has ever really won the public, though, has he? He's been, I mean, <laughs> in the sense of b- believing in him, uh, I think a lot of people since he lost to um, in the WBSS, he, uh, you know, he didn't. He's just sort of gone. What's he been doing really? It's been two, three years since since he lost to Grove, so um, I couldn't tell you who he's fought. So, yeah, I think Eubank Jr. has kind of done the kind of Mayweather thing, whereas like kind of get people to dislike you to watch you lose. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play to him. Like, he's made good money, Uban Jr., through boxing. Yeah, he's, he's done yeah, well. He's played the villain. His dad did the same, to be fair to him. And But, yeah, I mean, when you're 30, 31, I think when there's a big British domestic, domestic world title fight, you've got to take that opportunity when it comes, surely. Yeah, maybe I worded it wrong. I think it's more of like a respect thing as opposed, you know, you can be a villain and still have respect, can't you? So yeah, he, he was never likeable, was he? But... Uh, I think he he's got to earn his stripes now, and soon the game he talks, it'd be good to see him in a, a world title fight, and you know, can be with Williams in in Cardiff, happy days. Yeah, it's, it's strange with Uban Junior like fighting the um, Marcus Morrison, like such a setback, really, considering he fought uh, Korobov a world level about a year and a half ago. I know he's yeah. been inactive, but I mean, at his age, he wants he wants big fights, really, doesn't he? At this stage of his career. Yeah, in, interesting division. So let's let's we'll only know um, after this uh, this fight happens to see what the dynamics change. Definitely for sure. Right, Josh, we're going to go to prediction. What do you predict happens in the world title fight between Demetrius Andrade and Liam Williams? Uh, it's a hard one, isn't it? Uh, you know, I think my head is saying it's Andrade's fight to lose here. I think. The, the best Andre or the boxer Andre who you know who, who picks his shots take, takes his time makes it awkward so upsets his rhythm I think you know that's a hard night work for Liam Williams so I do think that it's Andre's fight to lose and probably because of that I think just the sort of level he's fought at for a bit longer I would probably go for a, a, a points decision for Andre. But you know, at the same time, my heart for for Williams to go out there and and knock him out, you know, that's that'd be ideal too. But I, I just think there's there's not enough for me to 
uh, to discredit Andre winning this? I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> Our man, Liam Williams, is going to be a new world champion for Wales, which I can't wait about. And the reason why I think this is because I think Andre thinks he's levels above Liam Williams. I think he probably thinks he's fighting another Luke Keeler, no disrespect to yep. Luke Keeler, but I think he's going to go in there, try and make a statement. I think people in his team are going to say to him, listen, like you're, you're in your thirties now, you need the big fights. So yeah. go out there, blow this guy away. And I think that's going to work in Liam Williams' favour. And I think Liam Williams 100%. is going to walk him onto a shot, throw a big left hook. And I think it's going to be a highlight reel knockout for Liam Williams in about round six. Uh, yeah, no, hopefully, hopefully that's the way. I, I think I'm with you there. I think, like I was saying, you know, the best Andre, I think, is a hard, really hard for Williams if he can make it awkward, make it weird <laughs> and, you know, upset his rhythm. But I'm with you there. I think Andre, even just seeing how he's speaking about Williams coming up to the fight, he sort of already feels like he's is a bit of a nobody and he's overlooking him. You know, if he's gonna treat him like a Luke a Luke Keeler, he's in trouble because he is he's coming there to win. And like I said, he, he genuinely believes he's gonna do that. So I'd love to see it. Yeah, definitely. And although Andrade was levels above Luke Keeler, so was Liam Williams. I really do believe yeah. that. I think you put Liam Williams in with Luke Keeler, you watch the floor with Keeler, hundred yeah. percent. And probably does it in more devastating fashion. I know styles make fights, but you know, yeah, you saw I, what happened you, with um, who was that fight they both fought? The big lanky American dude, uh, Atlantis Fox. Atlantis Fox. You know, like I said, styles make fights, but you put you put him in with both of those guys. Liam Williams probably does it more viciously, and I think the same would happen to Luke Keeler, one hundred percent. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think that's a good that's a good way to end this now. Uh, thank you for listening to episode five. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at capital Y underscore capital C for clinch. Also subscribe to us on our YouTube channel and also follow us on Spotify at a clinch fight podcast. Thank you very much. See you later, Josh. Cheers, mate. <laughs>